welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I am joined by Candice Gallimore, comedy writer, all the way from Sydney. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Thanks for, for meeting me at the odd hours. <laughs> So welcome to the Divorce Club. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Is it? Does it feel pleasurable? It's a weird thing. It's been, how long has it been? Three years? Yeah, almost to the day, actually. Um, It was July of 2017 that me and my ex split. Um, But it's just been such a whirlwind of a three years that, you know, it feels like way more has happened in three years than happened in the eight years we were together. Yeah, I was weirdly talking to my ex the other day on the phone it was all very amicable. Mm. And I said, it kind of feels like we split up yesterday, but also like 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so weird. So um, I'm excited to have you in the club. And you said it was pleasurable to be here, but it's been a weird period of time in between. So how does it make you feel, though, when I say you are divorced? You know, it feels... um... What's what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like like a, a, a imposter syndrome type thing, actually, for me, because it wasn't legal when I got married um, in Australia. So it's kind of a weird thing of it. Kind of it felt like that, obviously, during my marriage as well, and then post divorce again because we were going through a plebiscite at the time to try and get um, same sex marriage up. Yeah, so it kind of in a weird way feels like, you know, as much as I uh, spent the money that you spend on a wedding and definitely had a marriage, um, it feels a little bit like, oh, but, you know, there was no piece of paper. (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting. So in Australia, it wasn't legal for same-sex marriages when you got married. Yes, so it wasn't legal. How did you get around that? Like, what did you have to do? Uh, Well, 
So what we did, we kind of got to do it our own way, which was kind of cool. So I got my mum's best friend to be like the celebrant um, because I could, you know, effectively choose whoever I wanted, which was great. And he's kind of been, I guess, like an uncle to me growing up. So that was cool. Um, But then uh, afterwards it kind of, I feel like it was the other big life events that made it more of a marriage, if you know what I mean. Like we bought a house pretty soon after. Um, We started a business together which failed miserably, like those kind of things um, that happen that are kind of bigger pieces. We did go to Hawaii on our honeymoon and uh, I suggested because you could get legally married there. I was like, oh, maybe we should do that. And my wife was like, no. And in hindsight, I was like, that's great. (laughs) I'm glad we didn't do that because that would have been a weird loophole in of itself because if we'd done that and then came back, it wouldn't have been recognised and then we split up before it got um that it before it would have got recognized so then we would have been split up and then all of a sudden married oh wow so that would have just yeah yeah that that's so hard I can't imagine what that would do to your emotions as well of like where am I who what am I what's going on and so how did how did it feel approaching a wedding with someone you loved at the time in a country where you couldn't legally be married. It felt like, because um, all the things you go through when you are getting married, so you're booking venues and, you know, flowers and all those sorts of things, um, I, I almost felt like everybody was going to call us out each step of the way, you know, and be like, oh, well, it's not a real wedding. Like I just was waiting for that to happen. And I think I put more pressure on that than anybody else would have or anybody like I thought about it way more than anybody else would have I remember um being in the workplace and sort of talking about getting married and all those sorts of things and and people um being really excited and great you know but in my back of my mind I'm thinking oh they're thinking it's not real like the entire time through I was like oh somebody's gonna be you know, somebody's going to catch me soon. You know, like I was doing something illegal, which I guess technically I was. So where did, where do you think that came from? That like imposter syndrome, someone's going to catch me out? Like, I don't know. Um, I think my, my mum's gay. And so I grew up um, pretty, you know, obviously a very open household, but it was also the kind of household, like my mum would never have even thought of marrying her partner. It was one of those things where it was just, it was never going to be, an option so why why even entertain it um and so I guess I grew up being well aware of like the queer community but not being um not ever thinking that we could have the same things I suppose so it probably came from a bit of never thinking that this was going to be an option at all um and I think because you're so aware of that your whole life that this is not legal and this is not something that's you know potentially going to happen in your lifetime um you forget that other people don't know that and aren't thinking about that constantly so for them they're like oh of course you should be able to get married that's a no-brainer and so they don't have that thought at all whereas you kind of constantly go through life thinking about it and how did it feel obviously after you'd broken up, when it did become legal. Was that a weird moment for you? That was, yeah, it was. It was such a strange thing because I spent that time um, obviously advocating for uh, same-sex marriage to the point of um, there was a group of us who would call. Somehow they got like a register of people who would probably be either on the fence or yes voters, but because it wasn't compulsory, might not actually vote. Um, and so they basically got this list together and a bunch of us would call 
these people and just have like a you know conversation to be like have you got it and not telling them go vote yes but literally just saying because it was a postal vote as well asking have you received it are you going to vote um you know you should go fill it out and chuck it in a post box right now while you've got it front of mind that kind of thing um because yeah in theory this list were people who would probably vote yes so uh, I was going through that and then hoping again that nobody would you know ask about my own personal which obviously they're not going to but what if they ask and I have to be like well I'm actually going through a divorce and I'm a terrible you know poster child for this like (laughs) why am I doing this so it was a real conflict and because the people around me knew what was going on I was kind of waiting for them to call me out for getting divorced you know the same way I felt about getting married so it was a very strange thing. So you were on the front line of campaigning really? A little bit. I was sort of, um, you know, I was going to the rallies, obviously, and making the calls and doing my part. There were certainly, um, you know, bigger faces of the campaign. And, and in fact, the people who were kind of front and centre of the campaign were people who were like, I actually don't want to get married, but that's not what this is about. Um, And I think that helped me a bit. And it wasn't about marriage. It was actually more about, you know, um, creating more of a safe space for younger people coming through and people who probably don't have it as easy as I do. Yeah, it's so interesting. I obviously think it should be legal all over the world and people should Mm -hmm. be able to do whatever they want and be treated equally. But why you say it was like to create a safe space for young people, but why do you think it meant so much to you? Yeah. Despite you having a breakup at that time. Um, So I had an interesting, uh, I guess, upbringing. Obviously I grew up in a very queer friendly household, but when I was 10, we moved to a small country town um, and I stayed there till I was 16. And the reason I actually left was because there were, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, a gang um, of mostly women who, when they found out I was gay, were trying to effectively run me out of town. Like they were quite, um, quite full on. Uh, I, it's funny, I don't actually have a lot of, um, I guess, trauma from that, but it is a really traumatic, like I can see if you didn't have a safe space at home to, to kind of fall back on um, and you had, you know, you're going home somewhere where you might not be getting supported and then you're also seeing this out, you know, in your day-to-day life, just how hard that might be. Um, And so that to me was probably a big, big reason why this was important. I wouldn't want any queer kid in, I mean, anywhere obviously, but growing up in a a smaller country town thinking that was anything wrong or anything different about them. So that was pretty important to me. And how did it feel when it became legal? Because I know you said in your household your mum would never consider getting married. Mm. How did she react and how was the the feeling in you? I think my mum was very like, she kind of talked to me about it as my like heterosexual friends, parents who were also heterosexual talked about it as well, where they were like, I did the thing, I posted the thing, aren't you proud of me? Which obviously I was. But it was a weird thing where it felt like she was doing it for me, not for her, because she had no, like that was just not a thing that she was going to do, which is really like she's quite separated from the whole idea of it, I suppose. I think it's interesting because sometimes it is that older generation who don't understand us Mm. for whatever reason, like 
getting divorced. I've spoken to people whose parents have been like, oh my gosh, you mustn't get divorced. That's awful, you know? So it's just a different life experience, isn't yeah. it? I had had that from a, um, like a family friend who, when I um, saw them the first time after um, me and my ex had split, they, they were kind of like, are you, are you sure? Like that you want to do that? And I'm like, yeah, I know that this is not the right thing for me. Like, um, you know, she's, and my ex is, I would never say a bad word about her. She's, you know, um, one of the loveliest people you'll meet. And everybody obviously got along with her because she was such a lovely person. Um, but, yeah, this family friend was like didn't understand why we would get divorced. She's like, no, 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 you just stick it out. Like you just you just do it. And I'm like, well, no, like we're quite young. Like we got divorced at 28, you know. We've got loads of life ahead of us. Why would we do this thing that's clearly not going to make us happy because oh we got married so you know you can't possibly renege on that so that was strange yeah it's it's funny other people's reactions when you get divorced and by the way I'm really glad you call it divorced even though legally at the time it wasn't counted as divorce if you got married and had a ceremony and did all of that and then were together and then had to separate everything in houses you got divorced so you're very welcome in the divorce club um how did um how did other people react because I think that's always one of the weird things yeah I had such a um such an interesting reaction. I remember I can be really like weird in the way that I tell news to people where it might just be very um, almost blunt. Like I'll just be like, oh, this thing happened. And I remember I went to a, a like a comedy show with um, a friend of mine who I write comedy with and she was like, oh, where's, you know, and I was like, oh, no, we split up. And she's like, wait, like what? And she ended up in tears and was like very upset by the whole thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, we've decided not for, not for us. <laughs> Um, and so that was a weird reaction. And so we went and sat through this comedy show and she was, you know, crying the whole time um, because I was getting divorced. And you were fine. Yeah, I was fine. I was fine. I, I'd <laughs> processed it for so long. Like I'd processed it six months before we actually broke up sort of thing. I'd started my processing in my head, which is a terrible way to process something that affects somebody else. But, you know. Yeah, I think that's so common. It's like towards the end, I knew that it was sort of going in that direction, even though I didn't quite accept it until the moment we broke up. But I would, I was now, I know that I was processing like being on, that I was going to be on my own and stuff like that. So I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. And so your friend cried and you had to coach her through that. Did you find that, um, cause I think breaking it to people can be one of the hardest things. I did a Facebook post, which people think is cold, Uh, but I just wanted everyone to know uh, and not have to... It takes the awkwardness out of things though, right? And not have to break it to that acquaintance that you met one time or thingy's new boyfriend or, you know, all of that stuff. How did you approach letting everyone know? So I, in a weird way, made the mistake of not doing that. And um, so I had to tell people individually, which was fine for obviously my close circle and my mum and, um, you know, anybody else who um, knew us quite well. My mum was quite upset as well because she she's quite close. They still talk quite regularly, which I think is great. But I remember it was more weird in like maybe a work setting. So I remember being in just a random meeting and I didn't have my wedding ring on anymore. And 
a guy made a funny comment about, oh, did you you lose your ring or like I, don't, I can't remember what the phrasing was. And I was like, no, 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 I lost the, like, well, I didn't use that wording, but I was like, I, we split up and he was like, oh, no. So then the rest of the meeting, it was just this awkward thing of him being like, oh, no, where do I look? What do I say? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, because you wouldn't know because why would I have told you? Uh, but it was a weird thing. If I saw somebody without their wedding ring, I just wouldn't comment. <laughs> but I think in a weird way, he wouldn't have commented if I were heterosexual. I think it was like a, I feel like some people, which is lovely, go out of their way to kind of let you know that, you know, I think it's great. <laughs> and I think it was kind of a, in a weird way, like his way of doing that, of being like, oh, <laughs> we're in the club of married people together. Um, but instead it kind of backfired and made for an awkward situation. I think he sent me a follow-up email or something where he was like, I'm so sorry, I didn't realise. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. Why would you know? <laughs> oh, bless. But, yeah, so that was awkward. That's interesting that that you find people go out of their way to be like, it's okay, I agree with, you know. Yeah. Um, so what were the logistics like? So you broke up with your ex and... Was there like one moment? Was it petering out? Did you move out of the house? Yeah, it was. Um, so it was I, my best friend, I'd convinced my best friend and her husband to buy an apartment a couple of blocks from where me and my wife had bought. I thought, that's great. We can be right near each other. Um, however, I didn't anticipate getting divorced and moving out, I think, within like six months of her doing that. Um, and so I went up to stay with them whilst I was figuring it out. Um, and then I suggested we go see a counsellor, which was, I think, out of guilt, I guess, because I knew that I was not happy and that the best thing was to end things. But um, I thought, you know, we've been together eight years. I think we've been married three years at that point or something. So it's probably worth trying. Um, and so we went and saw a counsellor and it was just the most horrific thing. Um, but, you know, I decided I was going to try and we literally tried for like a night. Uh, we went to her grandmother's house because our dog was there. So we went to pick up the dog and she's like, oh, I'm so glad you guys are trying. And then we went home and, um, you know, went to bed. And then the next day I think she'd said, this is clearly not going to work. And so I went, I packed up some stuff and went back up the road to stay with my friend for a while. But it was hard because we'd bought this house and it was impossible to sell because of you know, a bunch of reasons. But so we had the dog, the house, the business, which we'd already discussed closing down anyway. So that was fine. Um, but then the house took 10 months to sell. And I felt awful the whole time because I'd moved out. I'd moved out, got myself a new apartment, was living my new life. And she was kind of stuck in that, which um, if she wanted to be there would have been fine, but she didn't want to be there. So that felt a bit I felt a bit shit for that. So you had a business together as well. Yeah, we. Th I think it was our our attempt at like um, salvaging, like it was you know our baby um, <laughs> that you know saves the marriage situation, which luckily wasn't an actual baby um, due to some biological issues with us both being women. So that was lucky in a way that a business was easier to start than a family. Uh, so we started this business and. Um, fairly quickly after I realised how much time it was taking up versus like the actual, um, you know, there was no money coming in from it at all and that was going to take forever and it was a, um, a, a gimmicky type thing as well so it was probably not very 
long lasting as it was because it was a, a photo booth business. So it was not like a passion thing. Um, it was purely just a, I wonder if this can salvage our marriage and make some money. But it's all extra admin, isn't it? Of like things you need to separate. Oh, it is. And- oh, yeah. And it co- like it ended up costing us so much money. So it was, uh, it was not the best option. So you lived with your friends and for a while and then got your own apartment. How was it moving in with your friends? Were they understanding? What was that experience like? My best friend who I moved in with and her husband, we've been friends since we were 11. And so it was like the perfect person for me to be able to fall back on. Um, But she was pregnant at the time. So she was pregnant and they were, so this all happened in July. He was born in December and her brother was coming to live with them, I think in September or something. So it was kind of like there was a a deadline on when I had to be out of the house. Um, So I think I stayed for two weeks or something. It wasn't a terribly long time. As soon as I found an apartment, I was, you know, out on my own, um, which I loved. So what was it like finding that new apartment and having, because it's kind of like a clean slate, isn't it? I mean, I, I still live in the house that I owned with my ex, but I, I'm in love with this house and I never want to sell it ever. Um, And I've redecorated (laughs) it all. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I did not feel that way. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it must be like a clean slate and a new start. And how was that moment of kind of walking into it? It was So the moment was amazing. It was very, I don't know if you went through this, but it was very difficult, uh, a difficult few months adjusting to it. The My initial kind of feeling was like just of pure, you know, joy. Um, I hadn't lived on my own since I was, I think, 18 at that point. Um, and it was like I'd felt like the place was perfect as well. Like it was a beautiful um, big one-bedroom place. Like I didn't have to live in a studio, which excited me. Um, then I went through, so because we were still working out assets and who was getting what, so I didn't want to go out and buy a bunch of things because I didn't know what I was keeping and what she was keeping. Um, I had two things that I wanted and that was the couch and the TV because we just had the world's comfiest couch and we, I think, recently just bought a new nice TV. So I was like, I want those things. Um, and so I did get those things eventually, but we were trying to work out when and who and what and what else I might get. And so I lived in my, um, on our spare mattress that we'd purchased, like just for our spare room, that was a shitty mattress um, on the floor of my bedroom because I was still trying to work out getting a bed base. Um, so that was my like very sad looking apartment. Uh, and that was, I hated being in there. Like I avoided it at all costs. Every night I was out, um, usually like comedy gigs, like, I would say at least five times a week. I remember splitting everything up and and then suddenly living at home on my own. Mm. And I realised I'd never lived on my own because mm. I'd like lived with my parents or I'd always flat shared and then lived with my husband. And then suddenly I was all on my own and I had to do like, everything on my own and it sounds silly but like I had to pay all the bills yes. and know all the you know companies that the bills were with and um you know do all the cleaning and um how did you find the being alone like being in the place alone all the time well I think because I'm self-employed because I do all my creative things mm. I was at home alone a lot of the time anyway during the day Right. Um, but I'd always go out in the evening. Um, so evenings were weird because normally, obviously, your partner comes home in the evening and you have um, – I was working a lot of evenings, luckily, just after we broke up because so, I was performing in the West End. So I was working like six nights a week, which was actually great at the time because evenings were that weird time of – there'd normally be someone there and someone to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just quiet and it's just you and mm. you have to cook every meal because my ex used to cook loads and, you know, and even like that, you know, you go on Netflix and try and pick watch which film to watch and there's two of you. So you have a little discussion. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're on your own. You're like, oh, I could literally just watch whatever I want. And it was kind of, good but also sad because 
you're so used to having that like discourse. Yeah. So I found that really weird. Were there things that you noticed, particularly being on your own? I was always the cook, so that was fine. Cooking was fine, although I'd stopped cooking at that point because I was never home. So that was, you know, strange. But it was it was the quietness. I'd come home and um yeah, there's nothing there and it's just like quiet and there was a weird like I could do whatever I wanted. Like I which was strange. It was like being um out of home for the first time. You know, as a kid, you you leave home and you're like, I could stay up, I could eat all the lollies. Like it just kind of had that air about it that I could literally do whatever I wanted, um, which was both exciting and terrifying. I enjoyed the aspect of like you put something somewhere and then that's where it is. Uh, that's That was cool. I liked that a lot. Uh, and also actually I'd realised that I'd, I'd always defer to a partner. So um, in terms of things like, you know, how we might um, – set up the house or uh, what kind of choices we'll make with the curtains or whatever. So I had to figure out, do I have my own style? So I found that really interesting. It was like just really basic things. And what kind of art would I like on the wall or, you know, do I want lots of orchids in the house? Yes, I do. That's so interesting because I feel like I, I didn't necessarily like I've always liked style, but with things like bills or like, you know, what company our broadband was with, my ex was very like technical and loved all of that stuff and like wanted super fast. So I sort of left all of that to him, even though obviously I'm quite capable of doing it, but like it seemed like he wanted to do it. Why would you? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you do it. Yeah. Um, And actually weirdly, I found it really empowering. Like I recently changed (laughs) the broadband. Yes. I'm going to choose the internet provider. (laughs) Yeah. I made a decision and, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. There's no discussion now. If I want something, I just do it. And I feel like my house has had a like creative decorating color explosion because I'm like, now there is no one to stop me. (laughs) And like my living room has green walls, not all of them because it'd be like a cave, but like there's like a feature green wall. And like I've really gone for it. And my house is like quite designed now. Whereas and I think that's just because, like, I've been let off the leash creatively. Yeah, you can do and what you so want. so I've had this explosion, yeah. And I, you know, and I also went dating loads when I broke up and, like, you know, found feeling sexy again really enjoyable. Did you have a sort of wild period um, of freedom? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was um, – I'd never internet dated before. I don't know if – did internet dating exist before you were with your ex? I think it existed, but I'd never done it. Yeah. So I feel, I remember we used to joke about, oh, we missed that. We missed the, the like, you know, internet dating part of, you know, our lives. Um, so that was interesting to move into that space a little bit because it was so, uh, like, gamified, I guess, um, which was a really interesting thing to do. And, you know, I never thought I would meet somebody on there realistically and I didn't like my partner I ended up meeting through doing improv comedy like um very much not uh, through this but it was fun and awful and you know exhilarating and boring and like just 
so many different emotions going through the internet dating and generally speaking I'm not very good at like approaching people so uh, the internet dating was great because you that was the other thing I liked about it actually is you'd already confirmed that you're at least mildly attracted to one another right and when you're going on a date you know it's a date and actually in queer world that's kind of weird as well because you don't always know whether somebody's just wants to be your friend or wants to date you. It can be like very conflicting and you're not sure what to do with this. Whereas at least in the world of an app, they're not there to meet friends. And I think there was like a bit of a thrill and a high of it. And then it would just kind of taper off and I'd go in and out of it. And I would, um, and sex was obviously a big thing as well, because I hadn't really explored myself sexually at all. Um, so having to go through that and being like, I don't even really know what I like. Like, so that was a new thing to have to learn as well. Uh, and going through all that. And then I remember there being a period where um, I definitely didn't want to be with anyone. I just wanted to, and I, I was really upfront about it. When I would see people, I'd be like, oh, look, I'm not looking for anything serious. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. But then they got to a point where I was like, I'm done. And that was pretty like just all of a sudden, like I am done with this. Um, and then as soon as I was kind of ready, I met someone on an app and was like, oh, this is going really well for three weeks. Did not go well. And I was like devastated. Like I finally was over, you know, just having fun, was ready to date someone and it just didn't work out. And then like literally the next day, I think my now girlfriend like messaged me and was like, hey, do you want to catch up? That's so nice. Cause I think I definitely went through a like fun time where I just dated people and, and also that kind of, what do I like? Cause I've been with one person for eight years. Like what, what is, you know, having sex with different people like, and like all of that I think was really fun. But then, yeah, I definitely also got to a point where I was like I'd, I'd quite like to also just have a conversation with someone that I get on with so that's so interesting and how did you approach finding love again did you feel quite positive about it because I've definitely had times where I'm like no one's ever gonna love me again I'm gonna be alone forever with my cats Um, I'd be happy to be with my cats. They're great. I think because it was so sudden that I kind of had that shift, I don't know if I had time to think about it as much Um, because it was such a, like, strange thing because I remember actually the whole time when I was just, you know, having fun and sleeping around and enjoying that immensely, there was always this thing in the back of my head about, and which I found really exciting, which was like, I don't know who I'm going to end up with. How exciting is that? Or maybe I won't end up with anyone or like, you know, who knows? And I spent a whole lot of time with my other divorced friend who um, like we went to Europe together and like we um, did a whole bunch of, you know, travel together and hanging out together and all sorts of stuff. And she's like still single and loves it. And I was so genuinely loving being single that up until very soon before ending up not single anymore I couldn't imagine not being so there wasn't like a huge amount of time there Um, but yeah meeting somebody and then it kind of feeling right so quickly I was like oh this is this is great this has come at the right time that's so nice and how did you approach that relationship do you think you had in the back of your mind your ex-wife and like approached it differently I definitely wanted to do it differently um in that I didn't want to jump all in, but then we were living together within three months. Uh, there was there was still like a lot that we wanted to kind of, that, or that we kind of kept independent. Like with me and my ex, we very quickly merged things like money and 
or bills and all those sorts of stuff, whereas um, I didn't do this that this time around and we're now kind of just on a year and now we're kind of talking about that kind of stuff. Um, so that was important to me. And how do you, not that I'm saying you need to tell me whether you're going to marry your girlfriend or not, but how do you feel about marriage in the future that you've been through it because you've been through it, but also because it's legal now. So you would get that piece of paper. Yeah. It's, we, we had this conversation properly, probably for the first time the other day. And, um, I don't, I feel so differently about marriage now. That's for sure. So the first time I did it, um, I kind of did it. I don't want to say for the wrong reasons because it, you know, it felt right. And, and I didn't do it under any obligation or anything like that, but it did feel there was like a part of it that was kind of proving something, right? Like that, you know, I can do this and I wouldn't do that again. Like I would, I would make it so more, I guess, like personalized and small. That's the other thing. I'd make it small. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think it would be for different reasons than the first time around. Like I think it would be more for a mix of things, but one of the things that it would even be for is just like how much simpler it sort of makes things. So um, when my girlfriend was getting surgery, when both of us would refer to our partners, they would say he, and that was so annoying. I don't love, like I don't always say girlfriend because it feels a little juvenile almost. Um, Whereas if, you know, we were able to say wife, that just would have been one less thing to worry about. And like it's, so it's, you know, I would do it, but I don't feel, I don't feel the same about it, I guess. How do you feel about it? I loved, so I had two weddings. So I had a small wedding because my dad was dying. So I had a small wedding that my dad could be at. And then we had the bigger wedding that we'd planned for a long time. And he'd passed away by that point. So I loved both my weddings and I looked great and they were like the best days ever. So I'm like, can't wait for the next one. Um, But I do think I'd approach it differently asset wise, which sounds very boring and practical, but like, you know, cause when you're in love, you're just like focusing on the, the wedding and the lovely day. And actually, you know, just all the things like I would make sure I kept my own money in a bank account and not that I wouldn't have a joint account, but like, I'd just be much more, much clearer on, you know, now I know before I had the dream that things would last forever. And now I know through trying that they don't always. So I think I just start things off to make my life easier if eventually it did end. Um, But I feel, I feel, I definitely feel more cynical about how long marriages last. Mm. (laughs) I think it's sad, but going into another marriage, if I do get married again, I would think about, the end of the marriage and make yeah right prepare for the end yeah which is sounds awful but just from experience I think that's that's kind of what divorce does to you yeah totally because you need to think about that yeah it makes you a bit more practical about life not so totally yeah and I met my ex when I was 23 so and we were like obsessively like in love with each other and we had a lovely time and he's a really nice guy but yeah, I think I think I just didn't even think about any of those things when I was entering mm-hmm. into a marriage and just yeah, so I think I'd be a bit more practical about it. But I think I would get married if I found someone I liked. Would you do the the big 
the big marriage, like the big wedding? Well, I had a big wedding, like yeah. big. Could you do that again, though? Converted church, big white dress. Oh, wow. I don't think I would. I think I'd go for something different. And um, I, I'm not against wearing a white dress again for whatever reason, mm. but I think I probably wouldn't. I'd just wear a really nice dress because also what I found so stressful was I looked banging in my wedding dress and I could never wear it again because it's such a wedding dress like you couldn't even like dye it a different color and wear it it's like fully quite meringue as Sarah Millican called it (laughs) um so yeah so I think I'd just get like a really posh nice dress for my wedding and then I'd have it to wear again to like special occasions Yeah. yeah and yeah I think I'd go more whatever the vibe was of the relationship I was in and whatever my partner would, you know, want and I'd go, but I'd probably go more low key. Yeah. I've done the big one. Yeah. Did you find when, after you divorced that you kind of started learning things about yourself that you didn't know before or you hadn't really taken the time to? Yeah. I mean, sexually and otherwise. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think, there were weird things like my friends were like, you've started wearing loads of colours again. Mm, And I was always really like outlandish when I was like growing up. And then I'd, and I wouldn't say my ex muted me. I muted myself Mm. in that. I think I thought that I had to be like a good wife and like more, more normal because I'm not very, I'm, I'm a bit weird. Um, so I wore like muted colours and I was, I think I was trying to be more like better at cooking because I'm awful and like weird stuff. Like the, I was trying to live up to the stereotype in my own head of what a wife was. And then once I came out of that, I could just be me again. And it was so freeing. So yeah, wearing colours, like painting the house, crazy things. Um, also, I I realized I am quite powerful as like a person, mm. and I I didn't feel that, you know, when you're sad in a situation like a marriage. Coming out of it, I was like, oh my god, I am powerful, and I can make my own decisions, and I can cope with all these things that I thought I wouldn't be able to cope with on my own. And yeah, that was that was very interesting. Yeah. And how did you feel about your future? Like, as in, like, did you have this very like laid out future with your husband? And then that was obviously shattered. Yeah. So I think, and I think that's part of the freedom, isn't it? Because I was like, right, well, we split up when I was 30, I think, or 31. So I was like, right, before I'm 30, I want to get married and have a house and and all of this stuff and then have a baby. Um, And, you know, now I don't know if I want children or if I want to adopt or, you know, that's still something that I'm working out. And now I've now I'm like, well, I've, I got a house, but I just now co-own it with someone else. And we're still trying to work that out. And, um, and I got married. So I achieved all my exactly. goals. Your goals with, yeah. And it's, and it was a weird situation initially. Cause I felt like, what am I going to do now? Cause that was the focus before, but now it's so freeing. Cause I'm like, I can just do what I want. Like I don't have to do all the goals that you're meant to want when you grow up because I've done them. So now I can just do what I want. Did you have that 
did you have it planned out? Yeah, I felt, uh, yes, we were very planned out. So we, you know, we'd gotten married, we'd bought a house all within a few months. Um, you know, we'd planned to have kids, I think at 30, like now, basically 31. And uh, like, we'd had all these things planned out. And that was kind of a, uh, one of my issues, like one of the reasons why I was like, I don't think I can do this because I was like, I hate how planned out our lives are. Like, you know, I know what I'm doing five years from now because we've sat down and mapped that out and just felt like, you know, everything was about the future. Everything was about the future goal. And so um, that to me was just so liberating to kind of leave it and be like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. And, and actually that was really interesting. I had gone from having like every weekend for the foreseeable, I think six months booked out with something to all of a sudden having like so much free time I didn't know what to do with, which was terrifying. But it was mostly just like very liberating um, and very exciting. And that was probably something actually that I went into a new relationship thinking about is that I don't want to be planned. Like I don't want the rest of our lives kind of planned out Um and that very much like my partner now is a writer and a director and so like our lives are you know who knows where they're going like earlier today we were talking about moving to Queensland and then she got a new opportunity this afternoon which means that we can't go anywhere like things just kind of change that rapidly now and I'm like oh that's that to me was what was missing um was that kind of spontaneity or like the at least the opportunity that something different could happen um, at the drop of a hat. And so that was something that, yeah, I think I did go into a new relationship being like, I don't want the rest of my life planned out for me. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm so glad you've got that now. Well, I've got a few last questions about things I'm going through right now and to get your uh, take on them. So I am single. I've had lots of lovely sexual experiences and now I'm a bit like, I don't want to sleep around as much, even though I really enjoyed it at the time. So I'm in my house. I've got a big king size bed with no one else in it apart from me. I use the other side as storage. (laughs) That sounds like something I would do. Do you, yeah. Do you remember being single in a double bed or like a big bed for two people? And how did you cope with that? And what did you use the other side for? I used the other side to hold my laptop, which I would watch like terrible 90s sitcoms on to fall asleep to. Um, So I've always stayed, I don't know if you've ever ventured into the middle of the bed or the other side of the bed, but I never did. I was like, this is my side of the bed and it continued to be my side of the bed. Um, And yes, the other side basically had a laptop on it with whatever and and other things I might have like... um, I don't know if I brought a book to bed or like there would just end up being crap on there or if, you know, I got changed and chucked stuff on there. I'm like a messy person by nature. But, um, yeah, so it, it was kind of storage too, I guess. Like it just held whatever fell there. I wasn't venturing over there, so it didn't matter. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I have stayed on my side of the bed. And actually, because of these conversations, I recently tried to sleep on the other side of the bed and it was like a revelation. I was like, my God, I could sleep over here if I wanted. It feels like you're really mixing it up, right? (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I'm so spontaneous. I could sleep on the other side of the bed. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) So I'd advise anyone to try it if they're listening and um, staying on their side. Why not change? it up I can't sleep in the middle for some reason I just can't I need an edge um also I recently did something for the first time which was mow the lawn 
Ooh. Yeah. Now I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but I didn't have a lawn when I lived in shared houses. And then when I was with my husband, he always used to make the lawn. Um, so it was the first time I've ever done it and actually felt like a really like powerful achievement moment. Did you have any of those after your breakup of like something you did and thought, oh my God, I could do it on my own? Oh, you know, I don't know if I have an equivalent because... I don't know if there was anything that she would do that I didn't do necessarily. Like we were relatively shared. We didn't have a lawn. We did, but we had like a, we lived in an apartment with a lawn. So somebody came in and did that. So we didn't have that. Um, Or anything you like bought for the house and thought. Oh, I did a lot. of. Well, this was the other thing actually, because we joined for, you know, joined bank accounts, which in hindsight was a great thing for me because I'm a terrible spender. Um, So I just went nuts spending on like a ridiculous amount of things. I think for me though, it might've been more that I like got back into things that I loved. I went into doing comedy and and improv and things like that. And I was like, oh, I can do, like, I don't need to do the things like, uh, you know, I do with my partner. I can go do a thing by myself because the one thing I did go do by myself was play soccer. Um, But then she joined the soccer club as well the next year. And so that became our thing together again. So it was like, I finally had a thing that was just mine and that nobody else, you know, was part of. Like I, you know, would go home. Uh, I started that when we were still together, but I like really got into it um, alone. But yeah, I don't think the spending was definitely a thing. I bought a lot of stuff and I continue to buy a lot of stuff. (laughs) And what about, how do you approach now like anniversaries of your wedding and their birthday and things like that? Do they come into your mind at all now? Not for anniversaries, um, but definitely birthdays. Uh, I'll definitely message my ex on her birthday and say happy birthday. And for her, because we split before our 30th, so for her 30th I bought her like a nice bottle of vodka um, just because I thought that would be the thing to do. That's so nice. But what about wedding anniversaries? Have you forgotten Have you forgotten the date or do you sometimes realise that it's that day? No, I know the date. I, but I, I remember last year, yeah, I just kind of realised like it wasn't like a countdown, you know, it's coming up or anything like that. It was just on the day. I was like, oh, it's that day again. Um, but no, don't really think much about them, to be honest. It's a bit weird. <laughs> no, that's good. You've moved on. It's great. And is there any advice you have for anyone who can relate to what you've been through or is maybe in a same-sex marriage or same-sex relationship or um, is just generally breaking up or getting divorced? Any advice that you'd give them if they're listening now and kind of struggling in that difficult time? Well, for me, the thing that got me through it was like some cliche stuff of obviously, you know, finding your friends. Um, Actually, that's the thing I did uh, is I made so much more time for my friends coming out of it that they became my focus of my life. So, and that, that was probably a big part of why dating wasn't important to me is that I was like developing these really, really deep friendships with people who I was either already friends with and I was just kind of deepening those or new ones. I think at that age I was kind of like, I don't need new friends. So I think like really throw yourself into either your existing kind of friends and that was something that I should have known but didn't know which was that you know not 
you know, one person can't be your everything. Um, you need to get different things from different people. But also just finding your thing, like especially if you've been in a relationship for so long and you've kind of forgotten the things you loved before that. And it's never, well, in my case, at least it wasn't because she was like, you can't have those things anymore or whatever. You just kind of forget about them. You forget that they're so important to you. Um, and so I rediscovered comedy and how much I enjoyed that and how much I wanted to kind of pour into doing that sort of stuff, whether it be, you know, going along and watching or participating. Um, so you just think, I, I think just like find the thing that you used to love, whether that be friendship or, you know, a hobby or whatever, and just kind of pour yourself into it and see what you get out of it. Because um, there's just so much that you get out of things that aren't a relationship that you forget, you know, forget that you can do that almost. And what about to anyone who is struggling what you with what you struggled with of that kind of imposter syndrome in a same-sex marriage? I think just remember that, um, first of all, there's always going to be people who do think the way I thought everyone was thinking, but the majority of people aren't. Like most people are actually so supportive um, and don't even think about it as a problem. So it's like you're thinking about it all the time because in your brain everyone sees it as a problem but realistically only a select few and those select few who cares but yeah you're like you're valid your relationship was valid you know even if it's over now it's still valid it still meant something at some point it's like people talk about um you know a lot of people will throw up uh x's x's for a reason but it's actually like no you're with them for a reason as well um i think that's really important to remember but yeah i just think that don't get bogged down in feeling like what you had wasn't real, even if legally it wasn't because it was real. Like it was such a huge part of your life. Um, don't let the feeling of other people undervaluing that make it un- make you undervalue it yourself actually. That's probably a really big thing that I hadn't thought about before is that I was undervaluing the thing that I had because I thought other people were. Well, thank you so much. It's been so great to chat. Thanks for having me. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.